up quick at about noon. And we welcome you into the final edition of the Vote Like Your Life Depends On It edition of the podcast with Damien Barling here on the Be Heard podcast platform. I thank you so much for downloading, subscribing. I thank you so much for listening. This is our last episode of this kind of election time series that we did with my man Kamara Williams. Again, uh, thank you so much for downloading. I really hope that you guys have uh, dug the last few episodes I hope you've enjoyed uh, what we've done with Kamara Williams. I hope you got the chance to listen to the the Terramana talks that we dropped on Friday. I had an urge. I realized yeah, this is a lot of, even though you know we have D'Lo and KC and all that, I realized this was kind of a, a, a lot of political stuff all in a row here on the podcast. So I wanted to make sure that I was able to kind of chill. There was so much in sports to talk about with the World Series coming to an end and you know baseball kind of, Drop it like what should have really been an exciting week for baseball turned out not to be uh, because of the stuff with Justin Turner, because of all of the conversation about analytics and that stuff. So uh, I really wanted to do that episode. Of course, I had fun doing it, as I always do. So I hope you'll check that out. I hope you'll check out some of the other podcasts, including our new podcast here on the Be Heard podcast platform, Build Black. I've partnered up with the Sierra Health Foundation and Barry Axius and Kendrick Montgomery Block. And we're putting out a new episode tomorrow. We have our first episode. It, it came out last week. It didn't get a lot of uh, promotion because uh, we didn't have the day nailed down. We weren't 100%. I mean, we, we kind of knew, but we weren't 100% certain. So um, it didn't quite get the love that some of the other podcasts get when they drop. But we're putting out episode number two tomorrow. Uh, and I think that you'll, you'll really enjoy it. So uh, make sure you... You know the deal. Subscribe, rate, and review not only to this podcast, but also to the Build Black podcast, to the Deuce and Mo podcast, to the Snack Time podcast, to the Sacramento Kings podcast, presented by Hoopball, and be heard as we've partnered up with Hoopball there on those podcasts. So um, please give those uh, a listen. Please go give those an opportunity, especially if you haven't heard like Snack Time. Or I did an episode uh, with Sean and Vaughn last week. I know I mentioned that on Terramana Talks. That was fun. Go check them out. Like this is what Be Heard is about. It's about like uh, uh, building a, a community of podcasts driven primarily out of, or not primarily, exclusively right now out of talent that emanates right here from Sacramento. And that's what you know, Mac and Ashley are. That's what Sean and Vaughn are, and of course Deuce and Mo. They're they're legendary. Uh, Jason Jones and Kenny Caraway, my partner over on ESPN. They put out a new episode of. J Street Vibes recently. And you know what thing I haven't talked about very much and, and shame on me? Yo, get your merch. Go to the dopeones.com and get your more than a podcast merch. Get your Be Heard merch. Get your Deuce and Mo merch. We're putting out some, uh, like, we're putting out hoodies and Be Heard jackets and there are masks already on there. So, uh, and I'm sure there's a discount code. What day is today? Oh, my discount code is on. We'll get you a new discount code. I'm sure there's got to be one, but go check out all of the fantastic merchandise over there on the Be Heard, uh, over there in the Be Heard section of thedopeones.com. So let's bring Kamara Williams in. Uh, let's get right back into it as, well, I'm dropping this the day before election day. Hopefully you have all cast your vote. I know a lot of people think oh, our vote doesn't matter and Hopefully you know by now that that's not true at all. Your vote absolutely does matter. If it didn't, people wouldn't be working so hard to suppress it. 
Your vote matters a lot. Take a look at what's going on in Minnesota. Take a look at what's going on in North Carolina and Pennsylvania. Take a look at what's going on around the country in terms of really important states. There's a reason that nobody is concerned about, you know, mail-in ballots. Nobody's concerned about, you know, drop-off locations here in the state of California. The state of California has voted Democratic for years. No one expects that to change. If they did, things would be a whole lot different. Donald Trump is fearful that Pennsylvania is going to go back Democratic as it was in 2012. That's why there are congressional hearings. That's why uh, Congress and Supreme Court and all of these different things are happening. That's why things are happening in Minnesota is because they're, they're, they're trying to suppress votes because your vote is incredibly important. They see how many people are getting out and voting. They've seen the growth in vote within the younger people. And the reason that's so important is because based on the 2016 statistics, and I hate relying on statistics because I don't believe that, I don't believe that a lot of this, I, I, I believe it's all kind of a mirage. You know, we won't know until we know. And anyone says, oh, we predicted it. We told you for, it's, it's all full of crap because everybody was predicting one thing in 2016 and it didn't happen. But one number to pay attention to that's interesting is the amount of young people that have voted, the amount of people under 30 that have voted. The reason that's so important, at least the reason it's so important to the two different parties, is the older you were in 2016, the older the voter was in 2016, the more likely you were to vote for Donald Trump. And there's this belief that the millennial generation is, or it's not a, it's not a belief. It's, it's accurate. This stuff is measurable. It's why things like the census are so important. But if you're under uh, 30, if you're the millennial generation, the millennial generation is the most diverse generation of voters in history. And I think, I think I read 40% of millennials identify as non-white. And that tends to lean more Democratic. I say tends because I don't believe it's a hard and fast rule, as we've seen quite a bit lately. Um, so point is, sorry for rambling on there. I wanted to give some context to what I was saying. Vote. It's important nationally, and it is incredibly important locally. So go vote. Now, Donald Trump had an eventful few days in terms of supporter. He got a... Donald Trump had an eventful few days of getting support, some from likely sources like Brett Favre and perhaps some from unlikely sources like Lil Wayne. Ah, yes. Let's bring in Kamara Williams. Lil Wayne has joined the coalition of rappers who have thrown their support behind Donald Trump. Of course, we've seen 50 Cent do it. We didn't exactly see Ice Cube throw his support behind Donald Trump. I don't want to put him in that category because he certainly didn't tweet out a picture arm in arm with Donald Trump like Lil Wayne did. He certainly didn't tweet like, oh, I'm voting for I'm voting for Donald Trump because Biden's tax plan is too high like 50 Cent did. Uh, Cube met with the administration. I still believe that's different. I don't really... I don't really love the way he's gone about defending himself, but that's, that's it, it actually makes it look like he very much is, you know, endorsing President Trump. But that's an entirely different story that's probably not even relevant at this point. But Kamara, we were talking about you, you. You said to me as we were getting ready to hit record here, you think this is part of a larger issue. W what did you mean by that? To me, it's a textbook 
example of just uh, men or black men being attracted to an alpha male personality and using that under the guise of cover their misogynoir or misogynistic um, traits um, with stating that their economic principles or things of that nature. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, it's obvious to me, like, I, it's obvious to me that there's an appeal for um, black men and um, I wouldn't even say wealthy black men, just say black men mm -hmm. of Trump's characteristic or his uh, attributes that um, are bringing people to his side for, for this election. Uh, I've stated before and I'll keep saying it again, I think he gets 15 to 18% of the black male vote. And there's something um, deeply um, seated within that psychological, sociological component of the black male voter who feels uh, either not heard by the Democratic Party or feels like there is a um, opening to carve out a space in the Republican Party. Um, and then quite frankly, there's even some of that where they might feel that Trump displays a characteristic or attribute that they think or they wish Obama had displayed when he was in office to uh, say what he wants, do what he wants type of thing. And, um, you know, again, I mean, these are just uh, opinions, but I do you, run do you, do you subscribe to the theory that black people didn't advance enough when Obama was in office? I subscribe to the theory that there was a wish that Obama would have done more, but I think he done he's, he still did a lot. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, with saying that. Mm -hmm. Lil Wayne is the same guy who said, now what's unique is all three of these, I, I'm talking about like, I'm sure there are more, but the three prominent artists over the last 17 days or so have been Ice Cube, 50 Cent, and now Lil Wayne. Uh, 50 cent and, and they've all framed it as with the exception probably a 50 cent who just said biden's going to tax him too high or something like that yeah uh, they've all framed it in the in the shape of advancement of black people um criminal justice reform i mean he's never passed a bill in which he didn't use a celebrity as a prop kim kardashian comes to right. mind the the you know the 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 um criminal justice reform that or the or, or you know the 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 pardons and all of the different things that involved her but with Lil Wayne he's the same guy who said I'm rich did black, lives, black lives matter, matter. Did, yeah yeah it doesn't, like exist. It, it doesn't exist right yeah right right and it's and it's like okay I'm trying I've been trying to figure that out ever since I saw him post that picture like because well, I you know when he said the black lives matter thing like Lil Wayne's opinion and here you know I don't care what 50 cent thinks nor Lil Wayne and as much as I loved Ice Cube I don't care what Ice Cube thinks even if his like views align with mine like I, I just don't care they're not people that I look to in this space like they're free to speak their mind but they're not people that I look to in this space so when the the Black Lives Matter comment you know resurfaced uh, the day that Lil Wayne posted the the picture with President Trump and I'm pretty sure that that's the first time I've ever referred to him as President Trump I, I thought I, I listened back to the Black Lives Matter line and it was just like this is just dude, this is a dude who's just like disconnected with reality like he legitimately lives in his own reality. 
So he's speaking for criminal justice. He's already acknowledged that, right? And now he's talking about criminal justice reform. Like, fam, what do you know about criminal justice reform? Like your your million dollar bail gets paid. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you can't speak to the to the plight of what the black community goes through when it comes to criminal justice. And when you left when you left jail on your eight month bid or year bid or whatever, um you came back home to a cushy place. Like you don't have you didn't have to go find a job. You didn't have to find a job. You didn't have to figure out your life. Your livelihood wasn't all that um uh all that altered, you know, it was strictly a um, unfortunate situation, but nevertheless, um, you don't have the, you don't have the recognized uh, experiences of the black American, at least for the last 20 plus years, right? Yeah. 20 years. Right. Um, you know, like I said, I really do think that again, um, there's a reason why there's an appeal to the black male entertainer. He's not going to, you know, the Nicki Minaj's of the world, right? Or the Meg Thee Stallions, right? But he's targeting specifically black male artists. He's not even going to the Garth Brooks of the world. He already knows- mentioned Kanye in all of this. Right, you know, he's going to specific artists um, and a particular demographic. And I, I just think it should be, that should be highlighted. There's a, there's a reason for that. Um, Again, I think it really goes down into the, the attribute of the black male, um, just feeling uh, like there's a portion of some of the black men, not all, but there's a portion or segment of the black male population that feeling a man but no country. And when you feel that way, for whatever reason, um, you know, it leaves you to be swayed to a particular side, whoever's appealing to you, your basic instinct or interest at that point. Um, to your original statement or question though, about, you know, do I subscribe to the idea that Obama didn't do enough? Um, I think we can get down that it's a tricky road, right? Because most presidents don't do enough. Right. You know, sure. but I think he did, a, I think he did a heck of a job for what he was given. Would you have liked to have seen more? Absolutely. Um, and would you like to see some things directed? And I have very, very stringent criticism of the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's healthy to have that. Um, I, you know, with even with that being said, is it fair to say that he was the best president that this country's had in modern American history? Sure. It's also said that he left a lot to be desired. Sure. And I think those things are, they're not mutually exclusive, you know? And I think we have to be able to have those type of conversations, but we haven't ha been able to have those mature conversations because we've had to battle back white supremacy at every turn. So even when we wanna have this conversation, be like, see, that's why you had to vote for Trump because he didn't, no, we can't even have healthy conversations surrounding Obama's legacy in t because we have to continually fight against System systemic organized oppression coming from the White House, mm -hmm. right? And you can't have a you can't have a platform and air to really have a good conversation until you have the right environment. And so we haven't had the right environment. I think, I hope, I want to believe that you know, should Biden become successful in the next five days, you know, after the election, after him getting sitting, you know, get, getting sworn in as a forty six 
president, we can have an honest conversation about the proper perspective of the Obama legacy and what does it really represent? But I don't think we can have that yet. So since we're on the subject of President Obama, this came up like near the tail end of our last conversation. And we were talking about charisma and feeling excited for a candidate. And you specifically said, bring that back. We've got to talk about that again. We've, talk, we've got to talk about feeling excited for a candidate. And I think the, if I remember right, the context was not feeling that same support. Like we're, we're, we're seeing, we're getting, you know, vote totals from across the country that uh, the amount of people that have voted early and, and, you know, the lines that are happening all across the country and the mail-in balance and all of these different things. And, you know, there seems to be a genuine excitement for voting, but what is absence of that? And it's, and it's interesting watching, you know, Democrats trying to be reserved regarding poll numbers and what statistics are saying and what this poll is saying and what that poll is saying when there's this assumption. And I recognize that in 2016, the number said the older that you get, the more likely you were to vote for Trump. And now they have numbers saying that young people are voting and there's a larger percentage of young people voting than voted in 2016. And I think there's this assumption that that's going to Democrats. And I think that's a ridiculous assumption. But my confusion comes with I feel the excitement for voting. That is very, very clear. But I don't feel the excitement for Joe Biden. Well, here's the thing. There's an, the, the excitement is palatable because of who's on the other side of that ticket. And the same way, and this is all anecdotal. I don't have any you know, verifiable evidence. But the same way that Trump excites his base, he excites the Democratic base based off of the sheer um, uh, it, this your presence of his name brings up people. This it's very, it, it's very clear cut. You're either a Trump person or you're not. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think there's yeah. any. I, I I don't think there's any or there's very little gray area for most people. Um, and that's going to be enough to bring people to the polls, just like in 2018. I think 92 million Americans voted in the primaries. I mean, excuse me, in the in the um, uh, uh, off year election, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and you have the concept of the same energy being brought here in 2020, right? Um, in an off year election, 92 million people are voting in an off year election. And so in a presidential election, you expect that number to, or that level of intensity to be there, right? In the last election, think about this, in the 2016 election, 137 million people voted total. Mm -hmm. Um, And off of your election, 92 million people voted or 93 million people voted. Yeah. That's pretty palatable. Sure. Sure. And so you have to think that it's because of what the party, Republican Party represents and what they've abdicated as their moral authority on a lot of things. And they've become the Trump Party. They're no longer the Republican Party. They're the Trump Party. It's going to bring out a level of excitement, regardless of who was going to be on that ticket. Um, And I will even say 
my counterpoint, a lot of people say his, his rallies, his rallies, his rallies. My counterpoint to the rallies is that it's actually doing something for Democratic voters because it's a great reminder of that, of the importance of getting out to vote. Every time CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or CBS News or whoever show the clip of all these sea of red hat people mm-hmm. in these big stadiums, you know, coming to see Trump and him, you know, going in these rallies, I think it brings a visceral reaction to people watching it and be like, God, I have to, I have to vote. I'm willing to spend three or four hours in the line if it means I have to vote. No one is spending three to four hours in the line to, to, to remain status quo. Right. No one does that. No one, people like, if that's the status quo, people like, all right, well, why do I need to vote? Things mm-hmm. are not going to change. But when you see thousands of people in a city coming, descending on, to see this man speak, those crowds, it makes you be like, okay. And I, in 2000, in 2016, I think it was, I, I think it was a novelty, right? Because I think there was a, some people in the populace like, there's no way he's going to get elected. There's no way. Yeah, I see all these people, these MAGA people, but there's no way. And I, were, were you one of those people? You didn't think he was going to get elected. No, I didn't. I didn't until we got really close and you and, and another close friend of ours started saying, huh, I don't, I don't think, I think Hillary dropped the ball here. I don't know that. I know you guys tiptoed around him winning. I don't know if either of you definitively said he would win like you might, but I knew there was a problem about three days before the election. Uh, Yeah. I knew in October of 2016, he was going to, he was going to, you said that. Yeah. You said that the other day. It was like, okay. I remember, I I, I vaguely remember the, the, the exchanges. And at first it's kind of like, okay. All right. Yeah. And then you start reading like what's going on in Hillary's campaign. And it's like, this can't like this. They're not really going to vote for him. Are they like, this isn't going to happen. Like is anybody who watched California and saw what Arnold Schwarzenegger did to the, to the state, no one's going to vote for a non-politician. Like, give me a break. But I mean, it's happened too many times in, in American, modern American history from Jesse Ventura, um, Ronald Reagan was an actor, for goodness sakes. Oh, yeah, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. You know, I, I think popularity gives you platform. Mm-hmm. And platform gives you a chance to be heard. And so and what we've realized is that if you have a chance to be heard, you have a chance to be elected, right? Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I think in 2016, when people saw those rallies, it was a novelty. It was like, oh, this is weird and crazy a little bit crazy but who's going to elect a casino a broken or a failed casino owner reality tv star to the presidency yeah. i mean we hate hillary but you know that's never going to happen yeah and it happened and i i think this year there is a number of people who say we can't take any chances um now the problem you have the danger in that is he can still win, mm-hmm. right. right? And so yeah. now you have to defeat an incumbent. You can't, you know, it's so, and there's no telling, which I think happened. I think he's grown parts of his base. I think he's made inroads in Latino community and Hispanic community. I think he's made inroads in the black male community. 
Um, so now you're dealing with a different animal of somebody who's had four years to appeal to people. That's what you're dealing with. And if you had any sense, you would be nervous and you would get out there and be like, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure they can't put this on me. I don't want a conscience to say, I didn't vote this time. And I think that's where we're at. You went to, you saw President Obama speak uh, within yeah. recent days in, um, in Florida. Uh, yesterday or two days ago? Two days ago. And what I've noticed in watching, I, I didn't see the particular speech that you were at. At least I don't, I don't, I don't think I did. I saw Pennsylvania. I've seen a couple of them. He has been extremely vocal against Donald Trump. Like, I mean, in a way that he hasn't been in three and three quarters years, like he's going at Donald Trump for really the first time since he left office. Why? Like, why do you think he's doing that now? So it's two reasons, right? There's two reasons. I, number one. And Beijing Berry is one of the greatest lines ever. If I had a Chinese bank account, I would have been Beijing Berry. Beijing Berry, yeah. Number one, I think it didn't make sense to go at Trump in his first two years. First of all, most presidents, and Bush did the same thing. He respected Obama enough in a presidency, be like, I'm gonna, there's an oath or there's a comment, like I guess an unspoken rule. You don't comment on another presidency's, a new president's term because it's deemed disrespectful. You, you have to allow them. There's only been 45 people that ever held that title. Mm-hmm. So whether you like them or hate them, whatever, you have to respect them getting into off. That's why it's called the, the beautiful transition of power. You know, because once that person gets in, you have to give them time to get their feet under them. And it's like a respectful. Bush gave Obama an opportunity to really get his feet set in the office and not crit- not criticize him or um, not speak up when he was used at the fulcrum for Obama's, you know, oh, the reason stuff is because the last administration, there was, a, there was a level of respect there. Mm-hmm. Whatever modicum level of respect that Obama had because of the title was erased over the last three three plus years. So that's one. But number two, I don't think it would have served any, it wouldn't helped if Obama would have been critical out the gate. Okay. Because the level, the it wouldn't, like if he had been critical for the last three years, it becomes on deaf ears. Oh yeah, that's true. You, you always got something to say about that guy, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think it holds this greater credence now when it matters the most. At the time when it matters the most, we needed to hear him levy his deepest and harshest criticism of Trump. Because what does it matter a year a year ago? Mm-hmm. What does it matter six months ago? It matters now, though. And that's what you want. And it, uh, it, it, I, it should have said third. And it takes pressure off of Biden. Because Biden's not a great counterpuncher. He's not right. a great debater. It, what Obama's great at is what Biden lacks. Yeah. The same veracity that Obama can levy to Trump, you know, uh, Biden can't do that. Yeah. And so it helps to have someone like Biden on the campaign trail. You don't think Trump wishes he had somebody on the trail? He's bringing Nigel from the United Kingdom to Arizona to, to, to stunt with them. Yeah. You know, 
um, the guy who's who's uh, a key component for Brexit. And so, you know, he wishes, he wishes there was a, um, a person out there who was willing to give him the same bars that Obama delivering to him. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Did he go hard, hard enough for Hillary? I don't think he, I think he went hard for Hillary, but I don't, I think Obama was under the veal of, or the illusion that he just thought the American people was not going to vote. I mean, I think there was a comment I heard, this is again, anecdotal, you don't know, mm-hmm. but after he got off the stage and he kind of levied his criticism on Trump, he just like, oh, this is too easy. He's like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he, he knew. Mm-hmm. I honestly think in his, his quietest moments, Obama, there's a lot of regrets that Obama has. He'll never admit that. We'll, we won't know, but there's some, there are moments of regret. Like, I think the, the Russia thing, um, I, if you don't, we may or may not recall, and um, it came out that the Obama administration knew about Russia interfering with the election in like June of 2016, mm-hmm. or even probably earlier. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do anything except to tell Russia, Slatland, to stop that. I don't think they really delved into the how it was and a lot of people didn't know how they were integrating themselves into the election until the, and we still don't know because this administration has done whatever it can to guard against that information or dissuade people from really getting to the bottom of it. And so I think if Obama would have been more fervent in that approach, he would have put that to, that to bed, right? I think Comey, he's often said he's, it's one of his regrets. He would have waited to make that statement, not 11 days before the election, but 11 days after, mm-hmm. right? He- And you're talking about the email statement, by the way, for those- Yeah, who, yeah, James Comey, when he went to- was being, She was, uh, he, Hillary he, Clinton re- was being investigated, yeah. Or reopening the email investigation, which led to nothing. He said, I'm just, all he said, I'm reopening the email investigation. I th- he said that he regrets that. He said, I, I shouldn't have made that comment because you saw the polling numbers drop mm-hmm. as soon as he made that statement. Yeah. And so I, I, there's a lot of people, I think, that have regrets. Um, but to your question, I, do I think he went hard for Hillary? Sure. But I don't think he understood the reality of what was, what was happening. And he's admitted that. Because he said, I, he, he, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he thought that the best interest of the country would show for. And so now we... <laughs> Now they know they've got to go hard on all it, whether it's whether it's campaigning, whether it's making trips to Florida, Michigan. There's a state that's escaping my mind. Maybe you know it off the top of your head. It's a state that Democrats haven't won. It's closed. Biden just planned like a last minute trip to go. Georgia. Was it Georgia? OK, there it is. It's 19. It's in some. Is it 1964? Wow. They haven't won. They haven't won Georgia. So again, these are all polling numbers and everybody's going hard and everybody knows the consequences. But the question is, is it too late? Like, has he no, built 19, up? No, 1976, rather, because Jimmy Carter won Georgia. He was from Georgia. Okay. So, I mean, the question is, 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 is it just, is it too late? Is it too late for these trips? Is it too late? Because what we don't know, you know, we just, we just spent like 15 minutes talking about what President Obama didn't know, what Hillary Clinton didn't know, what, 
what people didn't know heading into the 2016 election. Now the question is, what don't we know? He's had three and a half years in this office. He has had the chance to solidify his stance on white supremacy, which is what makes, you know, the things with, you know, 15 to 18% black male voters all the more baffling, but yet here we are. And what we don't know is if there is this surgence in voting, maybe some of them are voting for him. Maybe they didn't vote in 2016 and they're looking at this like, no, I'm with this dude. I'm all about it. I actually, I believe, so the numbers are this, even in the Bush v. v. Kerry, right? And the Obama versus McCain, the voting base has grown each year. Are you noticing a trend? Mm-hmm. And so with the voting base growing each year, you have to account for the fact that each side gets about two to three million vote, new voters based off the aging of the voter. Mm-hmm. Right, just, sure. I'm just, again, just rough, roughly. So it stands to believe that with Trump getting 63 million votes in the last election, it stands to reason that he will get 66 million votes this, this election. Okay. Which to me, I believe that in order for Biden to win, he's going to need to hit that 70 million vote mm. range. Okay. It needs to be 69 to, or 70 million. He needs to be touching that, the roof of 70 million. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think um, uh, Trump gets six, 70, I don't think he has 70 million votes. But I think in order for Biden to get it, he needs 70 million votes to get it. And this is also, I think I asked you this last time, or I asked you a variation of this. Do you no, I, I actually asked you the opposite. Do you think he's lost voters? I think he's lost people, the novelty voters, the people who are like, I'm gonna give him a shot. Okay. I think he's And those lost people do exist. It doesn't feel like yeah. they do, but they do. No, but they they do, they exist. People are like, you know what? I, I'm sick of politics. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give him a shot. I think he lost those voters. Okay. How many of those voters? I'm not sure but I think there's a good contingent of them. I also think he's lost women who that might, the Venn diagram might intermix with those, right? Intermingle with those people, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think he's lost some men. I don't think he's gained with white men. Um, And I think Biden naturally has appeals to a larger swath of white America than Hillary does. Okay. Just naturally. Right. Not based off of personality or not even say, not based off of charisma, but based off made of personality. Mm-hmm. They like it. They like his personality better for okay. whatever reason. Hillary was, you know, there's a lot of reasons off putting, <laughs> yeah. whatever yeah. people didn't yeah. like her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They didn't like mm-hmm. the way she smiled. They didn't like the way she frowned. They didn't like the way she laughed. They didn't like the way she didn't laugh. You know, there was a lot of that, you know. Um, so I think there's that. And I think there's a sense of genuineness that people feel with Biden they didn't get from Hillary. Even to the point where he might, his gaffes, his stuttering, 
Yeah. You know, right. I think yeah. there's a level of that, yeah. that they didn't, they couldn't reach that with Hillary. I think he gets those voters. So let's so, do this. Yeah. We started this three weeks ago. It's our, it's our final series for those who have texted and asked uh, if Kamara is going to have his own podcast. We're ironing that out. He's, he's, right. he's, he's coming around. We're working on that. So if you're interested in, in politics and pop culture and the interfusion of all of that stuff, that could be something that's coming your way here on the Be Her platform very, very soon. You've said you believe that Joe Biden is, 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 is going to win. You've sent me articles since then that say, well, maybe not to the contrary. Obviously, nothing you've written, but just stuff that you're sharing. So I'll ask you now, you know, with the election here, do you still think Joe Biden wins? I still think he wins. I think he wins. There's two scenarios. All right. Both of them. With, but I think he wins. I think he wins in one scenario where, um, based off the hair of his chinny chin chin, right, <laughs> barely getting in. Um, See, that's interesting. Million. Before I'm you say, go ahead, hold on. Let me say it. Two hundred seventy-nine uh, electoral votes, right? And that involves, and I wrote this down because I don't want to. I didn't want to be, you know, him holding on to Virginia. Um, him holding on to that Midwestern block of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois, and him holding on to Pennsylvania and Colorado, New Mexico, and, Nevada, and in Nevada, and obviously California, Oregon, Washington. That gets him 279, right? Okay. He doesn't win Florida. He doesn't win Georgia. He doesn't win Texas. It doesn't matter because he wins overall with 279. And those are realistic things. If he holds on to Pennsylvania in particular, that's the one that gets him. Now, that's the, and, and in those states, he can win by, it doesn't matter. I think Pennsylvania will be a little, it's gonna be closer than what they're prognosticating. Um, I think, but I, th I, st I do still feel like he pulls it out. Um, I think Michigan's a little bit closer, but I still do, do think he reestablishes those blue bases. I think Wisconsin is a strong state um, for a number of different reasons. Just a number of different reasons based on a 2018 election year and just the contempt that they may have for, for Trump in that area. Um, so that's, that, that's 279. Mm -hmm. In the other scenario, this is like the grand scenario. I could see it being a Reagan election in the inverse okay in 1980 i think i told you that yeah, where yeah he we gets talked about that yep. over 415 votes or mm -hmm. close to high 300s mm -hmm. right because he he gets georgia he gets north carolina he gets florida um he gets arizona you know um he gets uh, he gets ohio so with that one there's nothing you could do about it, right? But with the other one that you brought up where you could see the two scenarios playing out, the 279 one is the one that I see Trump fight till his grave. Yeah. Like, yeah. like people have speculated, like, what if he doesn't leave? Like, the 279 is what I think Donald winds up not leaving. Yeah, 279, Democrats better hope it's not 279. Because if it's 279, Trump's not leaving on November. He's not leaving on January 20th. 
it's it's going to be challenged in court and it's going to be yeah and then, and then are we talking about a situation where it depends on we already know where the supreme court lies are we talking about a situation where it lies with the senate where it lies with the house like i, I don't even know if See, you I'm hit so 279 I, i'm so glad you said that i was really hoping we would went into this direction damien i'm really really hoping we went this direction um <laughs> i was thinking about this scenario because people are really scared like what if he gets, you know, he, he doesn't relinquish and he goes to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And let's say in the off chance, which I, I think Roberts would get him out. I think Roberts, the court would rule against Trump um, because I don't think they want to be the court that hands the presidency. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's what they wanted. That would put, I think Roberts for one in that chamber where we went, I think he would put his foot down and be like, listen, this is not going to be on my legacy. Mm -hmm. We're this is not going to be part of the Roberts court that we handed a presidency to somebody. That's what we're not going to do. But in the off chance that Roberts pussyfoots around and he allows his justices to figure it out and be whatever, I think there's going to be a Senate. I think Democrats are, take the Senate. Now imagine this scenario that Trump Biden wins, Trump says, I'm not relinquishing nothing, I'm fighting it. And he's got the a Democratic Senate frothing at the lips, ready to take. What do you think? You think he's gonna, you think they, they did an impeachment before. Mm -hmm. At that that's point- if they lose the Senate though. Oh, I, I, think, I think Democrats wouldn't take the Senate. I think Democrats take the Senate. So, can establish imagine a scenario where democrats have the house and democrats have the senate and biden won the presidency and trump refuses to leave how do you think that's going to go for how do you think that's going to work out for him yes it, and you, that's the the other thing i wonder like what do you like what happens at that point do you does, does he get escorted out by like security like is he being uh, evicted it, here's what here's the thing i i really do believe he's going to want to wish he walked away at that point because I really do believe they're going to, they have what stopped a lot of the shenanigans from being released in the White House is he's had the, the red blockage in the Senate. Mm -hmm. They've they blocked everything mm -hmm. from, you know, he won't have that anymore. And so once, if in fact that scenario plays out, he may wish he made a, a different decision because they are going to peel through him in every single sector that is going to make his life a living hell and he might go to prison that's that, that was going to be that was going to be my last question is do you think there's a scenario where donald trump winds and winds up in prison if he doesn't like you know and i'm sorry i'm going to be explicit here black people like to say especially in the south fuck around and find out mm -hmm. that's what we like to say you know fuck around and find out you know and so i i think there might be a real conversation be like, okay, Donald, you want to do that? Fuck around and find out what you mm. want to do. You know, okay. because that, like, why would you? It's like, what? What? Like, you only know, like, what do you? What do you see that's going to happen here? Like, you know, it's like if you're in a room with Trump and you're like, <laughs> you're Chuck Schumer. How do you, you think this aesthetic. plays out? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> yeah. how do you think this is going to play out for you? Yeah. Like, you, you look at me now and tell me what you really want to, what you think is going to happen. Him and him and Nancy Pelosi staring him in the face and be like, I want you to walk me through your thinking, what you think is going to happen here. Mm -hmm. You know, because I can tell you what's going to happen. 
you know, and you might want to think about this. I'm going to give you 24 hours to think about what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, and I think people who are close to him, who have more political sense, be like, the you show's gotta over. Go. You got to go. You got yeah. to, you, you, you yeah. don't want, you don't want to open up this door. You open up this door, you won't be able to walk it back. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube because we can't protect you once this, once this stuff goes. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we might try you for treason and you might walk out of here with shackles. Well, that's obviously the grand happy. So that's the happy ending to 2020 that we all hope for. <laughs> that would be actually on brand for 2020, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, it'd yeah. be on brand. It would yeah. be so on brand of <laughs> it, it. I don't want that to happen, by the way. I want it to be a big, loud. Oh, yeah. Me to too. Where yeah. It's a mandate. But I just don't. I don't know, man. You know more than I, and and I've I've said it to you for this is the third week in a row. PTSD, and I know less than, and I know less than God. So yeah, it's, it's, it's PTSD, <laughs> man. Thanks for your time these last three weeks. It's been a blast. It's gotten a huge response. I hope people have enjoyed it. It's just a, it's it's obviously a break from what we normally do here on the podcast. Uh, but be on the lookout. We're looking to add Kamara here to the lineup here real shortly. So I, I appreciate you, brother, man. Thank you. Oh man, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. I hope everybody enjoyed it as well.